Do you think doing Bond today, he would have been different if you had done him nine years ago? Would he have been different? Yes, yes. In what way? I think this is better now. This would be this is a better James Bond from Brosnan now than it would have been back in 1986. I don't think I don't think there would have been the presence of the man or the the texture of the man that there is here now in this movie we've made. You have to remember I was coming off TV. I was coming off of Remington Steel. My education and my articulation in the world of film was very slight, very small. It's a tough one to answer, but it just it just feels that the way it went down in 86 was meant to be. I wasn't meant to do it then. I was meant to do it now. You want to see and you want to see Like when the xenomorph took out Harry Dean You want to see and you want to see Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John Hey everybody, welcome to Seen It All with Jeff and John, the podcast where we break down our favorite scenes from our favorite movies. I'm Jeff Glover. And I'm John Zabriskie. And in this episode, we are going to speak in a, how do you say, stereotypical Russian accents. <laughs> That's I am invincible. I am invincible. <laughs> Bang! Gun! I am invincible! That's right. We are talking about a scene from the action, adventure, spy, thriller, the 1995 entry into the James Bond franchise, GoldenEye. GoldenEye. When the world is the target. 72 hours ago, a secret weapon system was detonated over Savannah. And the threat is real. GoldenEye exists. A radiation surge that destroys everything with an electronic circuit. You can still depend on one man. I want you to find Goldeneye. Three. Find who took it. Two. And stop it. One. The name's Bond. James Bond. The world's most famous secret agent is back. We aim to please. And this time, 007 is facing the ultimate enemy. The man who knows him best. Hello, James. What an unpleasant surprise. 006. What's the matter? No pithy comeback? He was your friend. And now he's your enemy and you will kill him. Is the satellite in range? Target is London. Now, the entire world is about to be caught in the crossfire. See you in hell, James. You first. Kill him. The pleasure will be on mine. You check her out. That's it all. Three clicks, arms the fuse. Don't say it. The writing's on the wall. Grow up, double O seven. I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War. You know, James, I was always better. Both of you, stop it. You like boys with toys. Trick is to quit while you're still here. I wouldn't think of it. Charming, sophisticated secret agent. Shaken, but not disturbed. <laughs> Get us out of here! Bond. Only Bond. The man just won't take a hint. He don't need the gun. That depends on your definition of safe sex. On November 17th. Grab it! United Artists brings you... Trust me. 
James Bond. Why can't you just be a good boy and die? That's one trick I've never learned. I, uh, upon watching this, realized that I had uh, not seen this since 1995. Hmm. Yeah. Since 1995. I am pretty sure I saw this in the theater or shortly thereafter. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think I've uh, watched it since. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, there so was a, this was a fresh rewatch <laughs> for me. It was fun. It's been a while, you might say. It's been a while. It's been a while. John, you chose this movie. I did. What brought you to Goldeneye? You know, um, partly was just thinking of franchises in general, because um, I do tend to latch on to franchises uh, as far as movies go, because franchises are just so safe to me. So like whenever a new entry comes out in a franchise, I am interested in it's just kind of one more chapter in the book. But at the same time, I know it's not going to take a lot of risks. I know it's not going to do something totally unexpected on me. So, so for me, there's a matter of uh, security in these franchises. And I was thinking to one of my just long running franchises that I think I've seen all the movies in, and that's James Bond, which has been what franchising since the 62, I believe we determined because we said North by Northwest was kind of like your first, like your first, James Bond novel brought to life three years before the first one. So now we're looking at, yeah, 60 years now. Wow. Of James Bond movies. And um, thinking about some of my favorite James Bonds and Goldeneye came up as probably one of my favorites in the modern era. Yeah. Era. Uh, era. <laughs> uh, you said, have you really seen uh, every James Bond movie you think? Oh yeah. Do, do wow. you remember back in the day on TBS TBS would put oh, on yeah. these James Bond marathons. <laughs> marathons, yeah. It's like just sit down with your dad and watch some James Bond. And I and I did. We did. We watched a lot of James Bond movies together. An unprecedented television event. Seven days of 007. All this week. Only on TBS. From like Friday night, you know, Saturday night, maybe some Sunday afternoon James Bonds yeah. and yeah, in the 80s and 90s, they're showing everything, I think, up to including Timothy Dalton. And since then, I think I've seen most of them wow. in theaters. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge Bond guy. Um, mm-hmm. It's not that I, I don't dislike the Bond movies. I just have never really taken the time to go back and watch a lot of them. I also have back, distinct back, memories. Back, back. Sorry. <laughs> so, someone made a mention. <laughs> I think on the Twitter. Yeah. We, we, we lack some back and Mac. 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 <laughs> so, well, then you go. just got some in there. Yeah. <laughs> but like you, like, isn't that how everybody our age first saw James Bond was like, Sunday afternoon TBS marathons on the couch and your dad turns it on. Like that was my, yeah, that was my first uh, exposure to James Bond. So it was really disjointed. Like I saw, you know, Sean Connery bonds, Roger Moore bonds, (laughs) but it was always like kind of coming in the middle of the movie. I don't really watch the whole thing. I'm -hmm. watching the movies out of order in terms of their release sequence, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and there's, I know there's a lot of them that I've never seen. Um, I think this is honestly the only Pierce Brosnan that I've ever seen. I don't think I ever saw the other ones. Yeah, I think, I think in my opinion, they became 
way campier starting with tomorrow yeah. never dies which is the next one and then there is the world is not enough and die another day i might have those switched no i think i have that right i think i have that timeline right yeah but like they were just kind of continue it's like 95 golden i i feel like found a really happy medium between some kind of gritty dark tones and some of the camp of like before timothy dalton kind of right. james bond but then after golden it went much more in like kind of that Roger Moore, I feel like just more goofy and more womanizing um, to be had. Yeah. You know, I, I actually made a little note here that the release of this movie kind of reminds me of like when the force awakens was released. Mm. Um, so go with me on this here. So I, uh, will. Right? <laughs> I knew you'd like it. Star Wars. <laughs> so if you think about like the, the trajectory of the bond franchise, like they really kind of, hit a skid. I felt like in the eighties, I know, I know a lot of people love the Timothy Dalton movies. Um, some people do. Um, but I, I think that overall they're regarded as, as lesser bond, if you will. Yeah. I think they were too dark at the time. Like there's yeah. just some really gritty, really over the top mean kills. Yeah. And like, but before that, like Roger Moore kind of had reached the end of, he probably made a couple too many movies, you know. Yeah, I think he was in his seventies when they're making his last ones. Yeah, so like that, that starts to get a little rough, right? Um, so the the franchise kind of takes a dip right there, right? And so the mm-hmm. last Timothy Dalton one was, I think, eighty nine. Yes, and so there's a six year gap, right? And I think there was some issues with MGM and the rights or whatever. And mm-hmm. and anyway, like it took a while to reboot. It took a while. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, <laughs> and uh, it reminded me of like how people like Star Wars. Like uh, I know again, like a lot of people like the the prequels and and grew up with the prequels. But I think overall, a lot of people look at those as like lesser Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And then the release of Force Awakens really kind of reinvigorated the franchise, and uh, and that movie leaned a lot into like nostalgia and some of the formula and the tropes of the original star Wars trilogy. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like the, this bond movie kind of does the same thing. It really leans into like, it has all the bond tropes. Like yeah. it has your obligatory, like gambling scene. Mm-hmm. You've got the great scene with Q and his gadgets. You've got uh, the scene with M explaining what his mission is and kind of dressing him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a evil female villain with a sexual innuendo name. Yes. <laughs> On the top. <laughs> on, you keep on the top of things. Yeah. Oh. Uh, you know, they got your Bond girl. You got the flirting with Money Penny. You've got a, a villain that's like a turned agent. I don't know. It's a real crowd pleaser in that sense. And mm-hmm. uh, it, I can see why this was such a big hit at the time. It was kind of like people were jonesing for some of that classic Bond. And, and I think it really does deliver in this movie. Yeah, I think it does. I think, like you're saying, hitting all those James Bond tropes while trying really hard, I think, to make it modern and, you know, modern with quotes because it's uh, a 27 year old movie. Yeah, now. But um, yeah, I I would say at the time, uh, the 90s is an era era of movies trying to take themselves a little bit more seriously, um, just being more. I don't know if you could sum up an entire decade of movies. I'm not going to try that. That's that's too big headed right, for right. me. But <laughs> but like you're saying, it's it's this kind of like soft reboot where it's a new actor, it's uh, a new 
M, a new money penny. So all these new kind of characters around James Bond, including James Bond. Yeah. Um, with a lot of those same tropes to like you're saying, pull people in. Um, I, I had a thread there for a second. It was, <laughs> it was, Oh, Oh, I think, I think the big twist, right. Um, in the near, in near the end of the first act is when you find out that the bad guy, Giannis is the ex partner of James Bond. I don't think they had yeah. done that to the point where you saw it. They might've done that in a previous Sean Connery or Roger Moore movie where, uh, uh, there was a previous double O double O agent who is the bad guy, but I don't think it was ever to the extent where you saw them in action with that partner with oh, James Bond. Okay. I was wondering beginning. about that because it, it felt like something that might be a Bond movie trope, but I, I wasn't certain. It's so. be, it's they've done it also in one of the Daniel Craig movies that's Skyfall where Javier Bardem okay. plays an ex double O agent, but you never see him in tandem with. Uh, James Bond with Daniel Craig in the movie. And I think that's part of what makes this movie really special in terms of James Bond movies where some of the things are already done or the redone later on in uh, Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig movies. But I, I think having that turn, that little twist, I feel like that's almost like a nineties twist. If you think about it, like, yeah. Oh, the good guy is now the bad guy. Like, Oh, that's like such a, a stab in the gut. And I remember being surprised in the movie theater at, whatever age I was 16 at the time, I just turned 16 a week before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just seeing that. And then, yeah, that, that, that really like turns, I feel like the whole movie on its head. If you're, when you're watching it the first time and you're just kind of like going with it from there, from that twist and not really worrying too much about the bad guys incentive. You're just more focused on the fact that they used to be partners and it's, it's so hard to wrap your head around a former secret agent turning bad. Yeah, it gives the Bond's motivations. It makes them a little more personal, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. as as the audience watching, it feels a little more personal to you as well. Like you yeah. feel like you've been slighted along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like uh, this movie, There's, we'll talk about it. There's some things that don't hold up great. Um, right. Some of the 90s technology that's supposed to look <laughs> cool and futuristic is mm-hmm. sort of funny to watch now. Like all the tube TVs and like it looks like every computer is is like a, a Apple II, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. all over the place. And, and some of the like mid 90s, like computer graphics are pretty funny. But um, I have to say I was I was pretty impressed with. A lot of the action sequences, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the explosions, I thought the fight scenes and some of the chase sequences all held up pretty well. I was expecting to go into this and have it feel a little more campy than it ended up feeling. It, it actually felt like a pretty solid, well-rounded action flick to me. Oh, sure. Yeah, you mentioned the action, and we'll talk about it here, but uh, just tons of stunt work, including Pierce Brosnan and Sean Bean doing a lot of, a lot of their stunts in today's scene uh but also there was a note that it was the most miniatures used in a james bond movie mm. and i think even to date to today it's still the most miniatures and and it really stands out uh much like we were talking about total recall last time total recall at the time was one of the last big budget movies big budget hollywood movies to use so many miniatures and spend such right. a big chunk of the budget and what that does for the movie is it makes it tactile it makes it real um so that you're not just looking at a bunch of computer generated figures whip around without any kind of light hitting them or any kind of gravity. Um, yeah, that like, was, yeah. 
It was, it was a good choice because they're, you know, it's his 95 now. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there could have been, uh, a, a, a tendency to want to lean into CGI more because it was yes. the new technology at the time. And they do utilize a little bit of it here and there. A um, little think, bit. Yeah. A little bit. I think it was the, I think I read just the first bond movie to ever use any CGI, Oh uh, wow! But, but the, the vast majority of the effects and stunt works and, and whatnot is all practical. And, and it, it's what makes it hold up. I think it, it looks really good. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think, I think we'll, I don't think we have CG in the scene we're talking about today. Sorry to keep saying the scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, if I think back to a scene that has a lot of CGs, probably the one where they're strapped in the helicopter and Natalia's like, wake up, wake up, wake up. Yeah. And James yeah. Bond is like, I'm a little bit tied up. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> and then the, it fires the missiles and the missiles come back and they launch out very much like Die Hard 2. That's immediately what I thought of. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> like, like every a- shot of the satellite up in space. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to do for that? Are you going to, you're not going right. to put an actual satellite camera up there. You really have to <laughs> right. recreate it. Uh, but no, it, it makes it, makes it look good. It makes it look uh, just more real. Yeah. Did you happen to watch this like in a surround sound setting by chance? No, I, I watched it. I watch most of my, <laughs> most of my movies, which is on my phone in bits and pieces over the course of about a week. <laughs> And a half, I, a spare half hour here or there. That's fair. I uh, I did sit down after the family went to bed and watched it kind of in my home theater mm-hmm. surround sound. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a good surround sound movie. Ooh. Like the sound design was really high quality and like really utilized like the whole five. I think I have like a 5.1 setup and like it really came through nicely. I was surprised. Sometimes these older movies, um, they don't quite translate well to when they're like modern when they're like upgraded to blu-ray and 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 the the surround sound is like you know remastered and digitized sometimes it doesn't come through as well but mm-hmm. this one really did it was it was a fun experience and um just a good like a, just a good surround sound movie it was cool yeah no I, I have to imagine it sounded really good especially with all the explosions with the yeah. uh the tank chase um through mm-hmm. St. Petersburg, I, that, that's always a standout scene for me. Is just driving the tank. It's it's very reminiscent to me of Rumble in the Bronx with the whole <laughs> yeah, the hovercraft. Right. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Come like, there would be way more repercussions than just he dusts himself off and he just hops onto the next thing. Like he's just destroyed and like destroying beloved statues and landmarks. Yes. <laughs> oh, we didn't do all of that. If you look close, watch. Hold up. Miss- there's DEA all over with it. Wait, hold up. <laughs> right in the middle of the road. Oh, uh, man. But, uh, yeah. So I have to address the elephant in the room here. Um, <laughs> what, what is the plot of this movie? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could give you the IMDb recap, which reads, sure. years, after a, years after a friend and fellow double-O agent is killed on a joint mission, a Russian crime syndicate steals a secret space-based weapons program known as GoldenEye, and James Bond has to stop them from using it. So that's all true. That's all in yeah. the movie. All right. I mean, that I, I, I see that. There's but, that. I, th- I think the biggest part is like the name itself, Goldeneye, the satellite itself, like the whole purpose behind using it is to hide a robbery. <laughs> Whereas if these people are tech savvy enough, they can just steal the money and not leave a trace. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I don't know. I this is uh, we we were mentioned talking a little bit before we started recording. This is always my kind of. It's not a big gripe, but if I was to have a gripe with Bond movies, it's that I feel like at times they're a little overly complicated. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of meandering in the plot and twists and turns that sort of fill in time and maybe don't need to be there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, the plot? like the plot. <laughs> I mean, you, meant, you mentioned Natalia. What go, what's going on with Natalia here? Oh, man. As I watched it this time around, I had to watch a couple scenes like over again a couple times. Yeah. What was the word I'm looking for? I had, to, I had to watch a couple scenes twice because it just blew my mind how she goes from kidnapped by Giannis and on a top and Boris in the church mm-hmm. to surviving this blown up helicopter with James Bond to (laughs) then the Russians arrest them. So she's technically taken captive twice in a row after the Russians take her captive. Then Oromov kills Mishkin and then she's kidnapped again, like all in the span of about half an hour of the movie time. She's kidnapped three times, twice by the same group of people. It's, it's just mind blowing. It's yeah. Part of what makes this last scene nice is that she's doing things in the last scene here. She's not just, held hostage at gunpoint again. Like she's actually actively essentially being the hero towards the end here and, and saving James Bond and, um, you know, starting the bad guys um, or foiling the bad guys plan at first. And uh, James Bond is playing just much more of a minor role, I would say here in the end of his own movie. Yeah. But yeah, just, just the start of it. Oh, poor Natalia. Like she just goes from beat up, not only that, oh my God, not only that, like after they survived the train, her kidnapping number two, <laughs> Bond is immediately seducing her. Like Bond is immediately saying like, let's they, hook up. They start like, to make out like on the train tracks. Don't like they? you just lost all your friends and coworkers who you, you knew and probably, you know, had close relations with and you just survived three captivities in a row. Like, they like, you want to, you want to, you want to do this? You want to hook up? And then the next scene after that is her comforting him on the beach, I think. Or him comforting her. I can't remember. I think it's him comforting her, which is nice. But then them kind of having to wrestle with this personal thing. And I do like the personal thing. I think the personal thing makes it a little bit more intimate of a movie because these are two characters, James Bond and Alec, who knew each other and worked together for years, supposedly, and were friends. Uh, So it's nice to have that closeness. Whereas I think most James Bond villains are way distant, just some kind of mysterious figure who you're just learning about. Yeah. I think I texted you that I was like, I lost track of the plot. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just here for the action of the car chases. I'm yeah, just here I know for they, the, yeah. I just know they have to like stop the satellite thing from working and then uh, everything will be fine. So, and that's, that's, you know, that's all you really need to know to enjoy the movie. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, I enjoyed it just fine. Only understanding that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I don't, yeah, I don't think you're meant to know more about it. I don't think you're meant to think about it more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just think you're meant to uh, stop Alec at all costs in the cradle, I think it was called in the video game. That's right. Man, so many times I'd be, we were, I was watching this and. I was like, oh, look, there's the train scene. Oh, yes. look, there's the control room thing. Oh, look, there's the library. There's the tank. Like, yeah. so many set pieces that were pulled from this movie and turned into the video game. I, We haven't even talked about the video game yet. I have to say that my, my real, like, understanding of 
Goldeneye, and the plot actually comes from the video game more than anything else, although I don't really know the plot of the video game. <laughs> but, but like, when I realized that I hadn't really seen this since it first came out, but I knew so many of the beats, and I realized it was from playing Goldeneye on N64. Yeah, you only need to play the video game to know the the plot of the movie, funnily enough, with all the little debriefings at the beginning of each uh, episode or mission, and then all the different uh, tools you're given. Um, Yeah, we get to see some, uh, not proximity, some remote mines in action in this movie, I think. Yeah, the remote mines. I mean, like the movie might even have a few more things that were not even in the game that you could have done. Like what we see him do in the scene a little bit later on is like, well, that's not in the game. That's, he totally does it differently in the game. Yeah. 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 We'll have to Mm. talk about that. One other random thing I noticed. Did you notice Mini Driver in this movie? Yeah, I've always noticed her. I've always noticed like who... Like, why is she the <laughs> Russian singer singing Stand By Your Man really badly in Russian? And then she does the kind of like the PG rated flip off of uh, yeah. Valentine. And she has no lines. No, like that's sings. it. And she just shows up and you see her face and she kind of scowls. And then she's gone. I sat up in my chair and I was like, what the fuck is Minnie Driver doing in this movie? Like, I guess this is pre mini driver uh surge in the late 90s so maybe this was just some bit part she got i don't think yeah. it was meant as like a famous person cameo was it i i don't know because by now she has only been in three movies the zebra okay. man that sunday and circle of friends uh, goodwill hunting doesn't happen for two more years right looks like she's also in sleepers and big night but like Goldeneye seems to be what kicked her off in all, in all these other movies. That is bonkers. That is <sighs> such. It was such a jarring thing to see in the middle of this movie. <laughs> yeah, just like she's in the red cowboy hat. It's just so yeah. goofy. Yeah, it is so goofy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, so man. fun though. So fun though. It's it's fun to see like the little yeah cameos and famous people pop up like judy dench's m she's just wonderful yeah, i love her great. as m. What, a, what a great uh choice to to put her in these movies she's fantastic she, she reminds us that like he's this sexist dinosaur yes relic. i love the relic from the cold war which is yeah, great really which, dresses him down it's great yeah yeah telling us like the time period like the cold war is no longer in session it ended since the last james bond movie which is just a crazy thing to think about because so many James Bond plots had him battling Russians yeah. and well, here and he's he still goes kind on. of battling Russians. Well, yeah, I was going to say, then he goes on for the rest of this movie and <laughs> battles the Russians. <laughs> Take that, the Russians. But I think I think that's his last go with the Russians. I think um, Tomorrow Never Dies, he's battling Jonathan Price, the newspaper magnet. Mm. Uh, and then... Newspaper magnet? Really? Magnate? What's the word? Magnet or magnate? Uh, no, I think you're right. I just that seems like an odd villain. <laughs> oh, he's, it's terrible. It's <laughs> terrible. His his big foil plot to foil to whatever take on the world is. I am going to start World War Three with my newspapers. A small crisis is brewing in the South China Seas. I want full newspaper coverage. I want magazine stories. I want books. I want films. I want TV. I want radio. I want us on the air 24 hours a day. This is our moment. And a billion people around this planet will watch it, hear it, and read about it from the Carver Media Group. There's no news. 
like bad news. Oh, okay. Boy. <laughs> it's it's bad. Uh, I got there's... news for you. In just a couple of years, there's this thing called the internet that's going to come out. <laughs> and you can, it turns out yeah, everybody, you can say whatever you want and nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> you can say someone's doing this, someone's launching nukes, and nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares. That sounds terrible. I'm kind of glad I never watched that one. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, I think the other Pierce Brosnan movies, he's just taken on like rich villains and that's their big villainy is they have lots of money and yeah whatever and then all the daniel craig ones are really surrounding like a crime syndicate much like a Giannis, but like it's one from the past like the sean connery and roger moore days specter hmm. yeah that's who keeps yeah, popping yeah. up in daniel craig so there's no nationality assumed anymore after this movie got it but this movie hmm. it's kind of russians but it's kind of not because you have like russians killing russians Betraying Russians, like the general Oromov is is high up there, but he's also working with Giannis. I, if you ask more of the plot and more of these alliance kind of questions, I'm just going to be totally lost. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. I love I mean, it. I, honestly, the scene we're talking about today, I'm going to be a little bit lost. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he doing fair. that? That's fair. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here that we'll get into from this scene. Um, I, I, pack. I do love these movies where like they have – characters that are russian or whatever and instead of having them speak russian with subtitles or get actual <laughs> russian actors they just have everyone do a bad russian accent and also right. speak english and that way us dumb americans can follow the movie <laughs> right yeah yeah I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anybody who's russian in the movie i think oromov maybe is the only russian actor and everybody else is just everyone else yeah is british i think uh, natalia is polish famke jansen i believe is Boris Swedish? is definitely not Russian. No, Boris is, is uh, English. I think it's Alan Cumming. Alan he played uh, played one of the X-Men, the one who could teleport a lot. Nightcrawler. If you played the oh. X-Men arcade game, he was Nightcrawler in the oh. X-Men movies. I was watching this. And <laughs> also wife. Russian character, by the way. <laughs> Nightcrawler. He's oh. an old Russian circus performer. He's got typecast. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I am invincible. I am invincible. I was, I was watching this and my wife walked into the room and she was like, oh, that's the guy from Sex in the City. I was like, what? Apparently, Boris is? Yeah. Apparently he had a, a character arc on Sex in the City for a bit. I did not know that. But yeah, you have the amazing Sean Bean, Famke Janssen, sure. also in the X-Men movies. Yeah. Uh, Valentine played by Robbie Coltrane, who was in Harry Potter movies as Hagrid. And also Kroll, of course. You ever saw Kroll from the 80s? That's a wonderful movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Liam Neeson's um, in there too. We get Joe anybody- Baker here too. Yes. Yeah. Who played a villain in an earlier James Bond movie. Oh, is that um, right? Nice. Yeah, and I think one of the later Roger Moores, he plays the villain. Or the first Timothy Dalton. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, don't don't quote me on that. But he's he's an earlier Bond villain, and now he's like the CIA guy, Jack Wade. Right. <laughs> I, lo- I love him. It just, just adds more of the humor back to this movie after, like we talked about, like a little darker, more serious tone. Yeah. With, he's uh, such Timothy a Dalton. he's such an American, like in the yes. with all these Englishmen and Russians, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he might as well be in a cowboy hat. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, yeah. Yo, Marines, and he yeah. pumps his Ooh. hand at the end. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, Living um, Daylights. He was the bad guy, um, <laughs> Brad Whitaker, in Ooh. Living Daylights. Ooh. Yeah. Alec is a little bit better. That's a little bit better. Yeah, Brad sounds like your bully from high school or something. (laughs) (laughs) Brad. (laughs) 
became a fucking arms dealer. This guy <laughs> sucks. Oh, oh if there are any Brads out there, I mean, we, we love yeah. you, Brad. We love you, Brad. Yeah, yeah. no offense. No yeah. offense. Whew, cover our butts. So we should probably say what scene we're talking about today. Yeah, let's talk about the scene. Um, I mentioned it before with the level select drop on the GoldenEye video game, but if you're playing this on the GoldenEye video game, GoldenEye 007 for N64, this would be called The Cradle. This is the, yeah. I was going to say the level. This is the scene where... <laughs> uh, We're just reviewing an N64 ball level. <laughs> it's, it's a hard one. I love that Ooh, thing. That's been a sound drop since Predator Minute. Oh, yeah. But we are talking about the scene where James Bond battles Al Trevelyan in Cuba atop the satellite dish array in order to stop GoldenEye from happening. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Basically, he's trying to stop a double scheme of an electromagnetic pulse and a bank robbery at the same time. Sure. Against, against just London for some reason. But yeah. we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, really cool uh, set piece on this uh, satellite that we're going to talk about. So Yes. Um, yeah, so this is re- near the end of the movie. It's kind of the final showdown, really, between uh, Giannis and, uh, and Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what, what would you say is at stake in this scene? Oh, what's not much. It's just like, what's at stake? <laughs> I would say not much. I would say just the future of the United Kingdom itself and the world. <laughs> I saw that in your notes. You're like the entire United Kingdom. <laughs> That's it. Because the whole threat is that they're going to use GoldenEye, the satellite in space, the, I guess GoldenEye Mark II, to um, send an electromagnetic pulse through London, which would destroy all computers and all the electronics, I guess all machinery. I, it's never made clear. Kind of a fight club <laughs> scenario where yes. when they want to just destroy all the banking industry so everyone's accounts are wiped clean. But it, 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 I think it's a twofold scheme by Alec Trevelyan. One is to uh, erase the banking records so that they can steal money. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he's already the leader for crime syndicate i don't think money's an issue but you know what you do you yeah. and the second part of that is revenge because he's descended from leon's cossacks and i read a little bit about this uh, the whole idea was that there is a group of people living in europe who were supporting the nazis but they themselves were descended from russians um mm. yeah and i, I it wasn't I wasn't necessarily clear whether they all lived in Russia or they lived in like the Soviet Union satellite states, but still supported the Nazis. So at the end of the war, they wanted amnesty from England and to be taken captive by the Allied forces. Instead, the Allied forces sent a lot of these people back to Russia. And of course, Russia executes them. Most Hmm. of these people or sends them to the working camps in Siberia, which point they die anyway. Uh, And so because Britain was part of the Allies, Alec Trevelyan has taken that personally and wanting to personally wipe, or we're not wipe. He wants to personally <laughs> wipe. He wants to personally, <laughs> it's just a funny word. He wants to personally send uh, London and England and United Kingdom, maybe more, uh, back to the Stone Age in terms of technology. That, that'll that show them for uh, killing Nazi helpers. Yeah, he's going to get them. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to get them. 
Um, all right. Well, should we get into it? Should we go through our part one synopsis here? Let's do it. Ho- hopefully, hopefully, I'll come across as a little bit more positive. I feel like I've been really dumping <laughs> slash dunking on this movie, where it's probably one of my favorite James Bond movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. It's uh, it's one of those classic situations where you can really have fun and enjoy a movie, but also recognize that. At times, it is uh, silly and campy, and uh, I, I I think this movie really balances those things well. So you're good. Don't worry. Okay. Thank All right. you. All right. So uh, this is near the very end of the movie, and so part our scene's going to be broken up into two parts. So we're mm-hmm. going to do part one here. This begins at one hour fifty seven minutes and twenty one seconds, and runs until one hour fifty nine minutes and fifteen seconds. Alec Trevelyan, is that how you say his name? You Tre- nailed it. Trevelyan, okay, bursts through a door and activates a gondola, which begins carrying him along a cable toward the center of the satellite array. We cut to Boris in the control center, trying to undo Natalia's program, which is currently bringing the GoldenEye satellite into Earth's atmosphere to burn up. We cut back to Alec, still in the moving gondola, spotting James Bond running along one of the catwalks. Alec fires his AK-47 at Bond, missing every time. Bond dives, fires his AK-47 back at Alec, missing every time. (laughs) Alec sits and swaps out his gun, perhaps using the B button, for for his sidearm pistol. Bond drops his gun and continues running. We cut back to Boris, still trying to unhack Natalia's hack. Hack! Hack! We cut back to James and Alec, running in the middle. To the middle of the satellite dish, Alec tries again to shoot at James. He misses every time as James does a really cool roll down the metal stairway. Ouch. Alec reloads as James runs into the room operating the giant satellite dish. We cut back to Boris saying, Yes, I am invincible. Yes, I am invincible. As he starts sending commands to the GoldenEye. We cut back to the operating room and a giant chain begins moving that repositions the giant satellite dish. Alec enters the room and James and Alec tangle until James throws Alec down some stairs. Before he follows Alec, James jams a long metal pole into the dish moving machinery. This stops the machine and starts causing explosions in the operating room, which causes an antenna malfunction (laughs) message to pop up on Boris's computer. (laughs) Nicely done. Yeah. I, I... Don't remember the controls exactly. I do remember B does something, but I can't remember if that reloads or changes guns. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember either, but there was one button that did cycle through your weapons, right? And you held down the Z button to cycle the other way. Oh, I didn't know that. What? Yeah, all this all I'm the time. Sh- <laughs> I'm sure you knew this. I'm sure like once Probably. you did the, the all guns cheat, then you would know like, oh, okay, once you have 50 yeah, guns. I haven't actively played that game like for real in like 20 something years. So yeah, that's probably been a while. just forgot. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, so like we were mentioning, uh, all, all jokes aside, like this is a really cool set piece. And this was a, a real big ass satellite that they found to film on. Isn't that right? Yes. This is in Puerto Rico. Ooh. This is the, whatchamacallit, satellite dish, satellite array. Here it is. The Arecibo telescope, 305 meters or 1,000 feet across, spherical reflector dish built into a natural sinkhole, which oh. ended up collapsing and going into disrepair just a couple of years ago, 2020. Uh, December 1st, only like a year and change ago, 
um, before it um, become became unusable. But hmm. uh, until then, yeah, it was used to observe things in space. Uh, that's yeah. the most I can say. But yeah, they went to this place, and I just remember being blown away when they first showed this uh, in the movie. Like, there's there's no way you're faking this. Yeah, and they do a good job of like taking advantage of the fact that they've got this thing to film on because we get a whole lot of really wide shots that yes. are really cool, really cinematic, just showing the size and scope of this thing and how mm-hmm. small the people are that are running along the different parts. Um, it's really cool. I can see why they kind of, once they kind of locked this place down, how it became a perfect final set piece for this big final showdown. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, uh, the word gondola is a very generous for that little thing. Yes, it. <laughs> it's it's funny because I'm just going to be referring to the video game a lot for this yeah. scene because uh, to me is one of the harder scenes trying to take down a boss in such a little narrow walkway. And I don't, yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah. if I remember correctly, I don't think you can jump in this game. Mm, I, I think it's maybe right. like, can you jump? Could you jump in this game? I don't think so. You could crouch. Uh, right. And just, just really limits your mobility when you can't jump in a, in a game, like a first person shooter. Like, uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could jump. Sorry about that. Um, I think you might be right though. I, I think you are not jumping around, but I don't remember there being a gondola in that at all. I think, I think it'd make you too much of a sitting duck for yeah. you know, the, the opposing soldiers who, if I remember correctly, like you're taking down, black clad soldiers uh, in this scene before you take on Alec. Right. Yeah. Well, Alec in this scene just gets in this little box. It's really just like a metal box, like hanging from yeah. the table. <laughs> Looks just, pretty yeah. rickety. <laughs> I, yeah. That's, that's the kind of thing I would just, even though I'm afraid of heights, that's like, I'm usually one of the first people to jump into something like that. Like, you know what, mm. let's just jump in like this weird kind of cagey contraption. Mm. Um, you know, in in time, I've gone like jumping off a bridge into a river. I'm one of the first people uh, off the ledge, so to speak, and jumping in the water. Mm. I, I I would totally be down for going across this huge satellite dish. Like, what? What? A, why is it designed like this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would get not? in the box too. I would. I would ride on that thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and yeah, it, it just makes for a really fun, unique kind of cat and mouse where <laughs> the bad guy is trying to chase the good guy with <laughs> like this little automated. And he's just trying to like sit, and sort of slowly move up the cable. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And James Bond all the the whole time is is running, 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 but Alec is able to take some pot shots at them, but they miss each other every time during this portion, which I think is so funny. Not to say that, like I made a note of that. I was like very bad shooting in this scene. (laughs) James Bond is hiding behind chain link fences. Alec Alec is hiding in this, like you're saying a generously called uh, gondola. It's more like just like a little, foam booth without any glass yeah the chain link fence i think is more <laughs> egregious because at least alec can like duck down in the box but yeah he's like fully exposed on that on that catwalk right there i don't and like and all those like spark squibs go off around him mm-hmm. and i'm like really like the chain link fence caught all those bullets <laughs> that that's something i caught uh consistently happening throughout this movie was just how many times 
everybody's shooting at James Bond and he's never, never hit. And they're firing fully automatic weapons from beginning to end of the movie, from the beginning time where he and Alec are taking out the chemical weapons facility to, to now, like nobody can hit him. Obviously it's plot armor, but the more you have to rely on plot armor, I feel like the less it's it, the less serious you're going to take it at this point. It's just kind of goofy fun. They're running around in South America, not South America, Central America, you know, this little island, tropical island. Well, his his great defense against all this the shooting is is to run fast. <laughs> to run fast and then roll down some stairs. I, yeah. I love I love a good roll down stair stunt, and that happens a couple times in this movie. Or that looks scene. like it would hurt so bad. Yes, it's like a diving roll onto down like metal stairs. <laughs> And then they cut to where the little platform landing where he ends up and like he sort of rolls into this like concrete or metal like pillar and his mm-hmm. face is right against it. I was always, I was like, oh, ouch. That just yeah, like, the way they cut that makes it seem like like you're saying he just falls right into this pillar at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> have you have you ever fallen down the stairs? Oh gosh. Um <laughs> I feel like as an adult, like I don't know about you, but I, I I am far less likely to be in kind of like physical scrapes or little physical accidents uh, than when I was like a kid and in my teens and in my twenties. I grew up in a house that did not have stairs. Oh, so uh, yeah, we were just in like a one story Rambler where I grew up, so uh, <laughs> there was no uh, threat of stairs. Right, uh, but my my grandparents had this. Uh, two-story house and it was kind of an older house and it had like one of those steep staircases mm-hmm. that went up to like the upstairs the upstairs was really just like two bedrooms but the ceilings were like sloped you know mm. uh, so it was kind of a steep staircase and it had carpet on it but it was like that really thin carpeting so it might as well have just been wood you know right um, i remember like playing on those stairs when i was a kid and and definitely uh like sliding or tumbling a bit down them, <laughs> but uh, no, no real uh, major injuries. I definitely like I li- house I live in now has stairs and like, right. I definitely now that I'm like older, we'll have those moments where you're kind of going down the stairs quickly <laughs> and s- some sort of glitch happens in your brain and you forget like, <laughs> where, like how many stairs there are. And all of a right. sudden, like your top half of your body feels like it's moving a lot faster than the bottom half. Right. And I've gotten really close to falling, like for absolutely no reason down the stairs in my house. Right. Or you slide down a couple of steps on accident. You're like, yeah, to panic. Like, Oh, my heart <laughs> skipped a beat. Like I thought I was, thought I was in for it. Right. That was it. <laughs> find me dead on the stairs. 41 year old teacher dies while walking down the stairs. <laughs> Do you go up and down the stairs at your school? I do. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. So there's another place I'm going to die eventually. Yeah. Just put up, put up the memorial early. Yeah. Just put a plaque up now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You're holding a couple movies and who knows a calculator. Who knows? Um, So right in the middle of this, uh, the shoot 'em up uh, action here, we cut back to Boris. Yeah. How do we feel about Boris in this movie? What are your <laughs> Boris, Boris is like the hammiest piece of ham in He's this movie. Such a caricature, isn't he? He's, He's such a caricature. Um, it's it's kind of fun. They have a hacker on the team, like this computer 
wizard, but I don't think they use him enough. Um, well, he's just pounding on the keyboard always. Just, you know, it's like that classic like hacker trope, just like tick, 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 yeah, tick, like I speak leet, I can do this, I can do anything. I can set a password that's six digits long and nobody figures it out. Knockers. Knockers. Just, yeah. <laughs> what, what is it? Like chair is the other one. Like you sit on it, but you can't take it with you or something like that. Oh my God. Yeah. It's such, it's so tropey. It's like, he's a stereotypical, uh, like computer nerd, stereotypical hacker, stereotypical <laughs> Russian, like yeah. all of these, like really like stereotypical character traits rolled into one it i know that he's there for like a little bit of comic relief um but i have to say like i think he's one of my least favorite characters in this movie oh sure yeah. oh sure like he, i think i think fan case, i think zinian on the top is like near the top for me on the top of for me just because how unique she is and just <laughs> taking pleasure out of killing which is a cool feature for uh, any kind of villain kills you with her thighs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like how cool of a villain. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, I think I would agree. Boris is on the bottom. Like he's, he shows up in the beginning as this kind of sympathetic character and then keeps surviving through the movie. So I think that's kind of a, a fun little character quirk he has up till the end of our ultimate scene here. Yeah, that's like the running joke, right? I'm invincible. Yeah. Invincible. <laughs> I am invincible. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the movie would be pretty much the same without him. I think. I was I was about to say like, could we cut out all the scenes with Boris in this final scene and everything would be fine? And Absolutely. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. I think the answer is yes. I think what it really comes down to is having a. Uh, this bad guy who has a past with James Bond and him trying to enact revenge in a very convoluted way, but still trying to enact revenge and making it personal with James Bond the whole way. Yeah. I think, I think that's neat. I, I like that angle, but the Boris goofy thing, I think that's yeah, a little bit too goofy and they kind of dig into that with later movies and the Pierce Brosnan era, era, era where the <laughs> era there's, there's always seems to be a tech, nerd or a tech specialist on the bad guy side in those movies. And just, right. yeah, it's just, just it doesn't make it any more interesting. So, yeah. right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Like I said, I think it was an attempt at some, uh, little comic, uh, <laughs> relief, but it, it, it didn't, didn't really land for me. Yeah. And when you play the golden Eye game, let's be honest, did you ever shoot Boris just because? Oh, all the time. All the time. It was like, who's this nerd wearing the Hawaiian shirt in the middle of like a secret Russian base? Like he's going to have to die. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you're getting one right between the glasses, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Mission failed. Don't care. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished for me. That's yeah. right. For me. Exactly. <laughs> Um, all right. So we, let's see, we have Boris yells, I'm invincible. Where are we at? So they, um, they, they yeah. tangle a little bit in the room. Yeah. This is a good preview of, a, you know, a, a couple things here. One, it's uh, the second time you're taking it from Alex perspective where he's jumping down at first he's in the gondola. So it's cool to see his perspective and he's like hunting, like we are like looking for where James Bond is. And here he's about to enter the door. We don't know where James Bond is. We don't know what he's doing. And we're learning right at the same time. James Bond is just waiting to kick him right in the solar plexus and slam into things. And it's just a, just a miniature tangle. And all James Bond does is like kick him in the midsection and throw him down some stairs. But it's a great preview for uh, the second part of this scene where it's just really physical and they're not playing nice with each other, just throwing him down, you know, probably with the intent to kill him. Yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the 
the little kind of hand-to-hand combat they have in the next part of the scene we'll talk about is one of my favorite parts in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we get a little preview here. Um, yeah, he gives him a nice kick, throws him down those stairs. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Another ouch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, James uh, has the uh, foresight to jam that giant pole into the, the gears. He's really grinding those gears. <laughs> <laughs> Like grinds my gears. Yeah, what, what really grinds my gears is when someone shoves a giant pole into them. Right. Um, and now, why does this start causing explosions to happen? Okay, there's another plot question. I'm <laughs> but I believe it's because the satellite dish has to realign or has to line up in order to retake control of the GoldenEye satellite. Now, I don't... Uh, what I don't so, Natalia... A little bit ago, before the scene started, somehow hacked into the system and made GoldenEye start coming into the atmosphere to burn up, like you had talked about in the right. scene recap. Oh, I'm like closing my eyes and trying to think about this so much. I- it hurts. <laughs> uh, it hurts. Sure. Uh, so she- I wasn't necessarily looking for an answer. It was a uh, more. I know, but I have been ever since I chose the scene. I'm thinking, like, why does he have to blow up the control room for? The giant, the satellite dish. Why are they in the satellite dish to begin with? And I, I, I think it's to control Goldeneye, but I don't know. I think it's when she hacked into it, it just started it on its own little program for the Goldeneye satellite to crash into the Earth or crash into the atmosphere, blow up in the atmosphere as it heats up. And the giant satellite dish can be used to recontrol, to grab control again of this, the Goldeneye satellite. And that's what Boris is trying to do. He's trying to work around her hacking, her hacking, yeah. whatever that is. Well, but to I do see- that, yeah, the satellite has to be has to physically move to a place where it can, I guess, shoot the control beam up into space. Uh, I didn't right. think that's how satellites work. I thought it would just send the beam however it wanted to. But I, I, I think it's supposed to be telling us that it has to move to a certain position to stop Goldeneye from burning up in the atmosphere and and. Uh, by James Bond putting that pole in the gears, it's not going to be, going to be able to realign. And so uh, all GoldenEye will be lost. It just seems like, um, it seems like an overreaction. Like <laughs> if you shove a giant metal pole into the gears, like it's going to cause problems. Like the machine's going to break. It's going to shut down. It's going to seize up. Yeah. I, I'm, I still don't quite understand why things start exploding. Like what is causing flammable things inside this machine to just spontaneously combust. Right. So I, I don't know. It makes for a really cool scene because the explosions are fun, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just, um, you know, it's just another sort of uh, unanswerable question perhaps. Sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't tell you why I was, uh, something I was thinking about the last couple of days is why does this, <laughs> why does this giant satellite dish have to be used at all? I mean, they give away their That's position. Question also. Yeah. They give away the position really early in the, <laughs> when not really early, but like really easily by trying to fire a missile up at James Bond and Natalia in the airplane when it's not drained yet. And it's just full of water. It's like yeah. that immediately gives away the, like, Hey, Hey, we're right here. Like come and get us when they could have just not fired a missile at them in the first place and not drawn attention to themselves. I don't know. Well, you know, things are really bad when your computer screen says in all capitals, (laughs) antenna malfunction, antenna malfunction. Uh Oh yeah. 
it's not big good. capital letters and it flashes you and you're speaking Russian <laughs> the whole time. So it's like, ah, oh, what is this? And but right. the text on your computer screen is obviously English because yeah, clearly English. Yeah. This is an English speaking <laughs> audience. Like we're not going to understand some kind of Russian gibberish on the screen, some Russian soap relic or whatever it's called. That'd be funny if the computer like said the words out loud, but with a Russian accent. And then that malfunction. 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 <laughs> that would be appropriate. That's yeah. At least, at least Sean Bean doesn't go for that. At least he just stays British. He's not trying That's to go true. for yeah. the goofy Russian accent that Boris is going for, or mm-hmm. Natalia even. But yeah, I, I do like the old school. It makes James Bond. It, I think it harkens back to what M said as like uh, this dinosaur, this fossil, this relic from the Cold War. And I think I think an attribute of someone from that era era right. is that they're going to get things done by using good old-fashioned brute force. Sure. For one, versus Alec, just, you know, I'm going to punch him and throw him in things. But also, I'm just going to stick a giant monkey wrench in the gears and the Right, a, a figurative and literal monkey wrench into yeah. the, the plans of the bad guy to foil the, the problem. There is <laughs> something very satisfying about him shoving that big metal pole into those gears and watching them like seize up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I have to say, good yeah. job, Bond. Yeah, good job, Bond. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it some great close up shots of like just the gear trying to work and it has all yeah. this grease on it. And it just, it's just very visceral. It's just very tactile. Like you can reach out and touch that. And you want to take that pole out. You want, you want, you want oh. things to run smoothly as, as a human. You want things not to just break down and explode. Yeah, it'd be very satisfying to take it back out again. Yeah, absolutely. Just stick that metal pole in, stick it, you know, take it out, stick the little, <laughs> wait, what are we talking about? Hey, hey, now. Hey, hey, this is uh Sean Connery I'd just show up. Dude. Right. Just stick it in there. Dude. Dude. Giant metal pole. Stick it in and then pull it back up. You should try putting it in instead of burning it. <laughs> Does this pole have no self-reliance? <laughs> <laughs> you call this espionage? <laughs> oh, Giannis. Uh, <laughs> oh, on a top. I'll stay on, on a, a top of things. Man, Sean Connery saying on a top would have been pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he did have the femme fatale. Not femme fatale. I think that was a Bond girl uh, pussy galore, right? Oh, yeah. That's classic. Oh, push it galore. I was like, when that one would be on, my mom would like give my dad the death stare. Like, <laughs> well, one of the movie's names was Octopussy. I know. What the hell was going on in the late 60s? That is wild. So in retrospect, that? this one seems pretty tame compared tame. to other yeah, earlier Our movies. Pussy galore? Are you kidding me? Like That is <laughs> unbelievable. Pussy galore. <laughs> We're, we're not even trying anymore. <laughs> Seriously. I'll take 10 pushy galores. <laughs> oh, all right. Should we um should we jump into part two? Let's do it. Let's jump into part two, the uh the bigger part of this scene. Yeah, and we get mm. a nice, a really awesome fight scene here. Okay, so part two, this will go from one hour, 59 minutes and 15 seconds to the end of our scene today at two hours, four minutes and 30 seconds. We get a wide shot that shows us the antenna is unable to realign. We malfunction. To, malfunction, malfunction. We cut to James following a blood trail uh, into a floor hatch. 
Now inside the floor hatch, James looks around, and then Alec jumps out of nowhere, sucker kicking James. They brawl for a bit, and at one point, Alex gains the upper hand. He has his gun trained on James, only for James to kick a lowering ladder into gear, and he falls through the floor on the quickly extending ladder. Alec throws away his gun and radios the helicopter to come pick him up at the middle of the satellite dish. Alec and James begin climbing toward one another on the ladder. Alec slides down the ladder, knocking James to the bottom rung. Alec stomps on his hand. James falls to the lower platform. We cut to the GoldenEye burning up in the atmosphere. All shit's going to hell here. We cut back to Alec choking James on the platform. Alec looks over to the oncoming helicopter, now seeing that Natalia has just hijacked it. James kicks Alec off the platform, catching him by the shoe and dangling him several hundred feet over the base of the dish. James tells Alec, no, for me. No, for me. Before dropping Alec, he falls to the base of the dish, likely breaking all of his bones. (laughs) We cut to Boris screaming as the golden eye blows up in the atmosphere. We cut back to Alec, seen alive somehow, as he looks up at James. James jumps onto the helicopter just as the operating room explodes, bringing the fiery remains of the catwalks and the operating room crashing down on a screaming broken Alec. All of these remains somehow destroy the control center where Boris was, and Boris sticks his head out of the rubble, claiming one last time, Yes, I'm invincible. Invincible. Yes, I am invincible! Before the liquid nitrogen tanks behind him explode and freeze his body with the contents inside. (laughs) See you later, Boris. No more of you. Yeah, you're frozen. I, um... Mandela effect maybe had the same thing, but I, for some reason, had remembered Boris as being shattered after he froze. I don't know about you. I was waiting for that. I didn't have a a memory of it, but that would have been way more satisfying. It's like the Terminator 2 thing, right? When Yes. You know, maybe that's what we we had in our heads. That's exactly what it was. (laughs) The 90s was just full of nitrogen or liquid nitrogen that could just cause instant death. And then you'd shatter. It was really, it was really top top tier liquid nitrogen deaths in the early nineties. Yeah, sure. it wasn't Jason X. Jason X had a nitrogen oh, liquid yeah. nitrogen death. That's like you know two thousand three, but we'll we'll let it slide. Yep, he sure he dunks the girl's head into the liquid nitrogen. Her face freezes. He pulls her head up and then smashes it on the table. It's one of my, it's my second favorite Jason kill. I think right behind the <laughs> wheelchair. Mark. <laughs> poor Mark. 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 Oh, poor Mark. Mark. Mm. All right. So into our scene here. This is an awesome fight scene at the beginning oh, of this. This is a great fight scene where I, you have the lead up to, I don't, you know, a lot of these are probably first for James Bond. Um, not not the first big fight scene. I, I think I think one of the first really good fight scenes from James Bond was the train scene in From Russia with Love. That's where mm-hmm. Robert Shaw, the guy who plays Quint on Jaws, yeah. is the Russian secret agent who's trying to be all chummy with James Bond, pretending he's the another British secret agent, but he's not. And then they have this great fight scene in the train car. Don't want to spoil it because I don't remember everything about it, but there's you know, some garroting involved. There's some mm. gas to the face involved. And I, gosh, I, I don't remember. I think James Bond ends up just 
shooting him in cold blood, just sitting there and <laughs> shoots him. But sure. this is, oh, this is a wonderful, wonderful fight scene. This is, I think, a great entry for Pierce Brosnan and the 90s for just like diving to the stunt work. And uh, when I say stunt work, I think I mentioned this before, but they're doing a lot of the stunts, especially in the fight scene, Sean yeah. Bean and Pierce Brosnan, because you can see their face and computer technology is not to the point where they can replace someone's face yet. Yeah, I I had like two takeaways from this when I saw it or when I watched it this time. And I was like, mm-hmm. one, just really great fight choreography in that really enclosed space um, made for a really kind of like harrowing scene because they're so close to each other. It's hand to hand combat um, and they're really throwing each other around. Mm-hmm. And the second takeaway is exactly what you said. Like it's clearly Pierce Brosnan and, and Bean like doing all of this, for real. And, uh, I gained a lot of respect for Brosnan. I don't ever think of him as being like a big action guy, you know, yes, he's James Bond, but a lot of what he does is bond is run around and fire his gun and duck behind things and stuff. (laughs) Kind of like Arnold. (laughs) Yeah. Just run away from explosions, but he really like he showed off his, uh, his kind of action chops here. I was very, very impressed. And it's just a really cool, scene where they're using the environment and throwing each other into stuff and things are falling on the ground. And at one point the gun fires, you just get this one shot right in the middle. Yes. And it just sort of like punctuates like the intensity. And um, yeah, I have to say, I think it, I think it was my favorite part of the whole movie was this, this little close combat hand to hand fight. It's really good. Yeah. 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 I know. I know you like the fight scenes. I know. Love a good fight. yeah, a good fight scene, a good practical fight scene where mm-hmm. not only just with like them pe- the people actually doing it, but every motion, every action having a purpose. Um, probably my least favorite thing about fight scenes in modern days is where the bad guy throws a good guy, really just for the purpose of like making it seem like, yeah, I don't know, like if they're trying to do damage, but you know it's not going to do. It's it's kind of like what I call like the marveling of of a fight scene, where it's just right. like oh the bad guy. This is the part where he throws the good guy. And it doesn't hurt the bad, good guy at all. But in this case, towards the end of their brawl here, he throws James Bond for the purpose of grabbing the gun and training it on James Bond just to have that upper hand. Right. Um, and yeah. a really, really well-directed fight choreography too. Like mm-hmm. not too much like quick cutting, no shaky cam. It, it, it honestly reminded me like uh, it's not the, the same, but you know, we did, we talked about Jackie Chan many episodes mm. ago and I thought there were some parallels here. Like they were using their environment. The, this, the, the, the fight scene was shot in such a way that you understood the choreography and everything seemed to fit together really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just the, the directing and the editing I thought was, was top notch, really well done. Yeah. This is Martin Campbell directing uh, the first of two James Bond movies. He ended up directing also Casino Royale, which a lot of people just really call one of the more realistic James Bond movies, the first Daniel Craig movie. Right. Uh, where it has, where it opens with that awesome parkour scene. Yeah. And the whole, the whole movie like front to end in Casino Royale has much more of a gritty feel to it. There's mm-hmm. very few jokes. There's no, really no camp at all. Um, they do add that with the Daniel Craig movies as they move on through Gosh, how many movies? I think he did five through the fifth one that just came out last year, No Time to Die. Yeah, I do remember that being just a lot more of a straightforward, like kind of a grittier action movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just James Bond trying to take out the bad guys. Right. Um, the stakes are not 
worldly. I mean, even in Goldeneye, the stakes aren't necessarily worldly, but they're not presented any differently than you present like the world ending stakes. It's like we have the satellites going to blow up stuff into the world kind of stuff. But yeah, that's something that was a fun little discovery is or rediscovery was remembering that he had directed both this and Casino Royale, these first installments of yeah, that's kind of crazy. James Bonds and yeah, he took two on of, yeah, two of my favorite James Bond movies easily. Mm. Uh, this one in Casino Royale and just kind of reinventing the genre, but he's reinventing it from the phase that he started with right. Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that is super interesting that he was he kicked off both of those eras. Boy, we're saying era a lot. Era today. a lot. Well, you can't help when you're talking about a franchise that's 60 years yeah, era yeah, older. Right. It's got a lot of eras, yeah. A lot of eras. Speaking of eras, I guess this is a good time to talk. Like uh, We talked about Dad for Noons and watching a lot of James Bond on oh, yeah. TBS back in the day, maybe a few in the theaters. But do you have a favorite James Bond? Oh, man, that's a good question. I... Like I said, I'm not uh, well versed enough in all the James Bond movies to have a real strong opinion. Um, but mm-hmm. I have a lot of nostalgia for walking into my living room and seeing my dad watching the James Bondathon on TBS or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like most of the time he was watching a, a Sean Connery Bond. Sure. And and still to this day, when I think about James Bond, the first image that comes to my mind is the Connery Bond. So I know that's probably not a very controversial take, but um, <laughs> I, I think I'd have to go back with Connery. Oh, Sean Connery, dude. dude. <laughs> I, I like Pierce Brosnan in this, um, mm-hmm. but uh, like I said, I never really saw a lot of the other Brosnans. Um, and, you know, Roger, I like... I like Roger Moore for what Roger Moore was, but he always felt like uh, he was winking at the camera the whole time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I like, I like how Daniel Craig plays it a little more straight, a little more serious. So. Yeah. 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 Daniel Craig definitely plays it more serious, less jokey. Uh, He, he starts delivering the jokes. I feel like a lot more in the last movie, no time to die. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good wrap up to the Daniel Craig. What's the word we're looking for? Era. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Every time I look at it, I'm like, it's almost three hours long. What the hell, man? It's it's a long movie. It's definitely longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they go they go big with the stakes again, of course, because it's James Bond and the end of the end of his phase. Um, I don't know if if you're to yeah if you're to flip the question and ask me yeah I'm gonna um, flip the question and ask you the whole point of me asking the question Jeff I don't know if you know this <laughs> flip the question yeah flip the question yeah I'm um, flipping it who, who is your favorite Bond man I I watching this makes me wish that they had given Pierce Brosnan better movies yeah that's what it makes me really really wish rough. yeah that's rough Timothy Dalton originally was going to have this movie but then by the time this is starting to be produced. He's changing his mind. He's no longer feeling like he's the right fit for Bond, which is a bummer because I think he made a great James Bond. He yeah, was, I read that they were like, yeah. if you were sort of like, even though you would still be Bond, we're kind of kickstarting a new a new phase, and they were like, you would need to do at least three or four more. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I love him in hot fuzz. That's one of my 
top movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's him. Yeah. Yeah, he shows up there. Pierce Brosnan shows up in World's End, uh, which is the next <laughs> right. Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is hilariously James Bond actors come come back. That is funny. I didn't, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, if, if I have to choose, like, best overall movies, I mean, it's probably between Daniel Craig and uh, Sean Connery for, right, most, I would say, enjoyable movies for me james bond movies it's right the first one and the first guy and the last guy to, to play them but right. pierce brosnan i think is the biggest missed opportunity where I, I really wish they gave him more because i think he, i find him so charming and he's real and they give him moments in the movie where he has to be cold calculating and he's good at that too he's like he's such a perfect bond like right. he looks like a bond he has like the suave charm of a bond right. um i mean know, he, he is he the is he the best actor out of all of them he might be the best actor out of all of them like he wears sean a, connery just plays sean connery in later movies totally totally just, yeah roger moore just plays roger moore and, <laughs> right um but brosnan has this like effortlessness to him playing the character that you're right it's unfortunate that he wasn't given better movies better scripts to yeah. to run with yeah Hmm. Like, like he's the whole reason I see Dante's peak when it comes out. <laughs> right. Like I just, and it's one of my guilty pleasure movies, which I know, I know it's not good, but at the same time, like <laughs> I just love him so much that it's like, I could, I could see why this is a vehicle for, for him. Yeah. Just that he's, he's going to literally move mountains. He's going to be this, uh, British out of place seismologist in, in Washington state right? versus that's, a volcano. That's what was so great about that movie was it was set in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was one of, it was one of the, gosh, was it 97? I'm only like in Washington state three years at this time. And I remember yeah. watching this movie and being like, okay, I'm starting to understand a little bit of Washington state. Okay. They have the volcanoes. <laughs> oh, his character in the movie, by the way, Don Day speak, Harry Dalton. His Dalton. name is Harry Dalton. Dalton. Yes. Amazing. Well, the best Pierce Brosnan movie is obviously Lawnmower Man. So we'll just... <laughs> I thought you were going to say Nomads. Yeah. <laughs> Nomads, which we talked about in Predator Minute, was John McTiernan's first film. Really? Oh, I, man. I believe Pierce Brosnan's first uh, Hollywood movie, first American film. Oh, what year was that? Do you remember? 1986. Okay. okay. And then, then he hops on TV for a long time with Remington Steele where he's like. Right. That's what that's stopped a, him from doing Bond for a while, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's like a moonlighting type of show where it's like kind of solving mysteries, but all at the same time, there's like romance and comedy going on. I never checked it out, but yeah. uh, I, at the same time, I only knew Remington Steele is holding him back from Bond once he started um, starring in the Bond movies. Hmm. Well, uh, rest in peace, Brosnan Bond. <laughs> I was going to say, Pierce, like he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, yeah, just overall missed opportunity. Too bad. Um, I, I think they really could have kept things in this good balance of where Goldeneye is, where things are still ridiculous, but there's um, – yeah, there's, I mean, there, there's there, there's there's personal connections. There's some romance. Um, towards the end, they really turn up the romance. I feel like in this movie, but yeah, I, I thought they had a good enough balance. I, it's too bad they just went ah, way more silly and campy in later Brosnans. Yeah, because this is a real blockbuster. Like it's a real, mm-hmm. it's a big movie, um, and it's it's done the right way. It's it's unfortunate the other ones 
um, leaned more heavily into the the ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm curious to see, excited to see who will come out in later years as the next Bond. Now that Daniel Craig has finished his run, so yeah, that's the big question, right? There's like. Yeah. Questions, maybe Idris Elba will take over. That would be awesome. He would be really good. I could see him doing that really well. Yeah. But like we're talking about, like it totally depends on the movie you're uh, giving them. Uh, yeah. That, right. You're giving them a good premise. Like the Daniel Craig ones, like there was like, I liked Casino Royale. I liked Skyfall, but like Spectre had its moments, but Quantum of Solace and No Time to Die just didn't rise to that. Casino mm-hmm. Royale. It's like, it's, I think that's what you run into with these different phases is the stakes just have to become bigger. Right. And you have to imagine as, as an actor, it's a big deal to like agree to play that character. Cause you're kind of locking yourself into really just only doing, you know, bond movies for the next, you know, <laughs> decade, maybe, you know, right. and, uh, Craig did it from Oh six to, whenever they film no time to die, which I think was 2019. So that's like 13 years of your life. Just his prime career time. Mostly is James Bond, which I'm sure was very beneficial to him. Yeah. I mean, job security, you're going to get paid. Well, you know, you've got work for the next several years. So I I suppose Mm -hmm. in that respect, it's good, but um, it, it also kind of pigeonholes you into that one character for a long time. I mean, Daniel Craig did, uh, he did knives out, right? So he got out and did that. Yeah. Oh, I love knives out. He was so fun in that. Yeah. So he, you know, he'll, he'll keep on keeping on and he'll do some other good stuff for sure. But it's gotta be a big, big decision. Uh, if you're approached to play James Bond, like that's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I like, I like where they've been going. And this is really kind of turned into like a podcast where we talk about all James Bond, which is, you know, it's appropriate. That's all right. We have have the all star Wars podcast. You might have one, might have one again in the future. Who knows? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to choose Friday the 13th part three today. So sorry. (laughs) Remember how we just released part two. Oh, he's coming back. Beat me to the punch. I'm just going to start going through the entire series. (laughs) First off to go part one and then all the slasher movies that imitated it. Like that first scream back in the eighties. No, but I like where they're going with it. I like, um, Man, they, I, I, to me, I feel like they do such a good job with casting where it's like they cast people they don't think necessarily are going to make a good villain like Javier Bardem. Of course, they knew was a good villain from No Country for Old Men, but then yeah. it turns into just like a totally different but fun performance and uh, Skyfall. And you had Rami Malek, who's the bad guy in the latest one. Um, then the, just, just, yeah, they did do all the casting. And and I don't think we've talked about Sean Bean really in this scene much. <laughs> Have we talked about the scene enough? Maybe. But um yeah, Sean Bean I think is an excellent bad guy. Uh you're if you're watching this in ninety five, you have to be thinking about his earlier turn in Patriot Games when he's the Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. some IRA cell member. Um That's uh, where I was placing him. I was like, What yes like what I, I can see his his face in another movie that I saw a lot and that's it. I couldn't, I couldn't quite place it, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's, that's three years prior with Harrison Ford. Right. Uh, with his, 
his character named Sean Miller. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of my favorites, of course, he's in the Lord of the Rings trilogy as Boromir. Just love him showing up. And and the joke, of course, is every time he shows up in a movie, he dies, Uh, (laughs) which is true. There's there's some really entertaining supercuts of him just dying repeatedly in different movies. (laughs) Shows up in Equilibrium with Christian Bale. He he dies. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of dying, should we should we finish up this? Part? <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, and, and and one of my favorite end of the year movies, the show, probably my favorite one is is Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. He shows up as Zeus just really briefly in that movie. Oh, nice. Okay, I've but never seen when, that one. I've only seen it because I show it in class at the end of the year. Uh, Kids okay. hate it because it's so different than the book, but I love it because it's just like such an easy turn on your brain, turn off your brain, and show that kind of in class. Yeah. And for me, that's like my end of the year kickoff. It's like, okay, we're like three days away from the end of the year. Once I put Percy Jackson on, I'm done teaching. We're just watching Percy Jackson. Oh, it's such a marvel. It's like, I'm thinking about it now and it's like yeah, it's sitting on a beach kind of uh, feeling. <laughs> do my grades. Yeah. Do my grades. Going to make fun of a movie. Talk about like, I talk about scenes a lot nowadays. Like <laughs> I the, the, the minute and the scene it all goggles on. I'm like, check out what he's doing in this scene. They're like, don't care. Like, if you look at the Maserati logo on the car, it's a trident much like Poseidon, Percy Jackson's father. The entire um, class's eyes collectively roll into the back. Right. Of the yeah. <laughs> I made sure, and I've always shown that in social studies at the end of the year. And this is the first year all LA where I'm having to double check with like other social studies teachers. Like nobody's showing Percy Jackson at the end right. of the year, right? I can, st- I can still do it. <laughs> I, need, I need this, you guys. I need this. <laughs> I need this. This is like, this is my, right, whatever, my hemoglobin to my blood. I, I need this <laughs> to survive. All right. Should we get to the the final death here? Yeah, let's get to the the, the final death. Uh, just just total overkill. Of course, it's James Bond, so bad guys, uh, you, you know, go out in the most creative ways. I love it. Quick question for you here. Yeah. Why does? Um, <laughs> well, two questions. <laughs> Let me back that up. Well, <laughs> that creates Alec, another question. Alec has him dead to rights. Yep. The gun pointed at his head. I guess this is the classic villain thing, especially in Bond movies. You know, in, in older Bond movies, he'd be tied up uh, above a pool of sharks, right? Mm-hmm. And then the bad guy just leaves and Bond finds a way out. Here we have Alec. He's got his gun right to his head. Mm-hmm. And instead of just pulling the trigger, he's got to get some sort of quip in there, giving Bond just enough time to realize he can... <laughs> kick this trap door open and send the ladder flying down. <laughs> Which takes a good like two or three seconds to engage. Yes, and the whole time Alex right. just looking at him like, oh, well, maybe he'll stay up and not fall with gravity. <laughs> so my second question. So, so Bond finds himself at the bottom of this ladder. Mm-hmm. Alec is up at the top. He still has his gun. Right? I thought, I thought he was out of bullets because at this point he holds his gun and seems frustrated and tosses it to the side. He even has the clip out. Okay, so that must be it. So that answers my question. I was like, why does he not just sit up there and take pot shots at Bond down on the ladder? Like, just why? Why didn't he take two guns? You know, right, right. <laughs> just well, in case. I guess. I guess it's plausible that he's out of bullets. Sure. But I mean, does he does he fire the gun at all after Bond goes down the ladder? He fires it once, right as Bond kicks in the ladder. 
starts lowering. Okay, so we're to we're to assume that that was the final bullet in the gun, I guess. Yeah, that was the final bullet. Okay. There was one gunshot between them when they were fighting. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder if you know maybe Martin Campbell is such a completionist, accurate director where when Can we count the, the the gunshots. Is that what you're right? Saying? They count the gun. <laughs> not like they're counting the gunshots earlier in the movie where no, they're just no. firing full auto for thirty <laughs> seconds at a time. <laughs> Infinite so, bullets, infinite, infinite bullets. ammo glitch, yeah, or whatever ammo code. code. Yeah, <laughs> DK head and uh, infinite right. bullets. <laughs> right. So uh, now we've got James at the bottom of the ladder. Alex slides down this ladder, and mm-hmm. uh, so here's my third question: How the hell does Bond stay on this ladder after he does that flip thing? <laughs> he like kicks him. He does like a full flip in midair. And then somehow grabs that bottom rung of the ladder. Oh. I mean, it's a great stunt, but uh, I was like, really? <laughs> right. And he just slams into the air and the slow way yeah. down a little slow down thing. Oh, he hits his head on the ladder as he falls down. The poor stunt man. Right. He, the stunt man can't even grab the ladder. Sorry. No, but that guy's he's dead. Uh, and then, yes, he grabs that bottom rung, slams. Oh, he's making the worst face. I have the um, Chrome add-on where you can just slow down or speed up any video with the uh, oh, nice the, yeah. the D and the S keys, and it's really nice for something like this. Where Ooh, I'm gonna have to, to install that. That sounds. Uh, you can watch every frame of the stunt man doing the flip. It's an amazing stunt, uh, mind you, but yeah, how someone is dropping whatever. 20 feet, 10 feet, even yeah, uh, physically impossible. I, I've, I've seen the, whatever the videos on this kind of thing where <laughs> someone falling cannot catch themselves. Uh, yeah, you're, you're at a certain like, distance, like past like six inches. You really can't catch yourself. Yeah. And like the force of your body spinning would just be too much to, to stop with like just grabbing a rung of the ladder. Right. You would just, I, yeah, I think it just adds to, it's yeah, the visceral, the pain, the just yeah. intensity, like just real, like literally at it at the edge, at the edge of what he can take. There's no more that James Bond could take. If there's one more stomp, uh, yeah, it's game over. Yeah, it's- so he stomps on his hand. He falls to that platform. Now Alec jumps down there, and now they're fighting on the platform. And uh, and at this point, Bond gets the upper hand and and kicks him off, but then grabs him. Yeah, like he's gonna like he's gonna be a hero and and save him. Yeah, like that. That's what I thought when I first saw this, and maybe even when I saw this the latest time was uh, thinking that he was gonna do the thing where he holds on to the villain until the villain takes out a gun or a knife or something like that. That he's gonna try to take James Bond out with at the last second. Yeah, but it's but I mean, James gone. Bond has him dead to rights. He's holding. His foot. There's, there's yeah. whatever the villain decides to do here. He's doomed. And James Bond just lets him go, just like let Arnold let go. go of let go of Sully. Like I lied. Ah. Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's what made you. You did. I lied. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty dark kill for the end of the movie because he just like in cold blood lets him go. Um, falls like hundreds of feet. Now, when he hits the concrete bottom of the thing, <laughs> I, I was fully uh, expecting to see like like the bag of mush, like just right. seeing the body explode. But somehow he lives 
and he's still breathing. And then to add insult to injury, the entire contraption falls down on top of him while it's exploding. So pretty, pretty brutal ending for Giannis for our, our, our boy, Alec. Yeah. And on top of that, right after this, apparently the rest of the control room is connected somehow. Although (laughs) the way they had set it up was that he runs that Giannis Alec runs out of the control room onto the gondola to the middle of the satellite which would mean that the control room is actually on the edge of the satellite dish, but it makes it seem like it's oh. under the satellite dish. Oh. I don't know what you caught about the geography there, but it seemed oh, like no, Boris that together at all. <laughs> it seemed to me Boris is like coming out of the ruin of Oh, you're right. Yeah. The under the satellite dish explosion and the falling stuff. He's still he's still invincible until the giant tanks. Why are there giant tanks of liquid nitrogen? Um <laughs> Oh, I was reading about that. That's because um, supposedly you're using liquid nitrogen to keep the computer cool enough to run. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Also, it's the 90s, so it's time to liquid nitrogen somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. We really needed a, like a a column or a pole or a rafter to come down and like smash into his liquid nitrogen body there. That would have been way more satisfying. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah, we, we really needed that shattering of course. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think we ran through the scene. I think we did it. Um, good. Yeah. I like how they give Natalia a moment here of hijacking the, chopper um yeah we get a it's good it's not really clear is it off there and hanging on the helicopter. yeah yeah Re- relating to the video game of course yep yep um yeah it surprised me that the video game came out two years after the movie for some reason i thought the movie and the video game were a lot closer mm. in release uh but i always I thought guess they were not. further apart yeah that mm. seems pretty fast two years but yeah, I think they're developing, from what I read, they're developing the game at the same time as the movie. Okay. Um, so there is, there's probably some extra things in the video game that didn't make it into the movie. Mm, got it. Like when you put, um, uh, you know, a mine on somebody's face. <laughs> it's a proximity mine. <laughs> it just immediately explodes. <laughs> right. I didn't see that in the movie, but I, I know it's in the video game because I did that so many times in so the video many game. Times. Uh, or just like throw a shit ton of proximity mines into that room that was filled with columns. <laughs> right. That was my favorite. <laughs> the whole room would explode as soon as anyone went in there. <laughs> oh yeah. And you, if you had the invincibility cheat on, that was all a lot of fun to blow up all the gas things. I and mean, then you're just kind of like <laughs> coughing. <Holy>. The green <laughs> gas fills up. And we're like, what a weird, yeah, what a weird, what a weird thing. Um, I was, the last question I was going to ask is does Natalia, make it known that she's on the chopper right away or does she just then when she holds the gun to the pilot, make it known that she's hijacking it? Oh, good. Like good question. Like, is she hiding back there? Right. Yeah. I, it, it takes Alec by surprise. It looks like it takes the pilot by surprise. I, I took that to mean that she was sort of hiding in the back and then jumps out and surprises the pilot. Right. That yeah. Was, that was my take, but you know, who knows, you know, me with the plot of this movie, I don't know. I mean, it does. She does such a good job surprising everybody that it surprises Alec to the point where he's then open to a kick, to, right, uh, right? To his doom. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to take it as a surprise. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Get ready for a big surprise. Get ready for a big surprise. <laughs> Should we talk about movies from 1995? Let's do it. Let's talk about 1995 movies. This is a good list. Yeah. And Goldeneye comes in on the list of top 10 movies. Mm-hmm. I was quite shocked at the number one movie from this year. Yeah, I was too. I mean, I know that it was a big movie, but if you asked me what was the big highest grossing movie of 1995, I would not have guessed this. Right. If you knew Toy Story came out in 95, you'd be saying Toy Story. Exactly. So uh, I I won't uh, keep everyone in suspense any longer. So the number one uh, grossing movie of 1995 was Die Hard with a Vengeance. (laughs) Die Hard with a Vengeance. Which is a movie I admittedly love, but I did not think it was the top grossing movie. Directed by our boy, McTiernan. McTiernan. Because listen to these other movies from the same year. So number two is Toy Story. Mm -hmm. You've got Apollo 13, which was a huge Mm -hmm. hit. Number four is Goldeneye. Number five. Goldeneye. (laughs) I figure that's why you're pausing. Right. (laughs) Number number five, you got the Disney movie Pocahontas. Disney always tends to do well. Uh, And then number six is Batman Forever, followed by seven. And then Casper. Seven. Seven, seven is seventh. Seven Yikes. is seventh. Yeah, wow, you're right. Uh, and then Casper, and then Waterworld, and then Jumanji rounding out the top ten. So a pretty yeah. diverse list there of kids' movies, action movies, uh, some franchise movies. Um, but I was most taken by Die Hard with a Vengeance as being number one. Um <sighs> It must have been highly anticipated. I mean, you got Sam Jackson in it and and Bruce Willis, I guess. I don't right, know. Bruce Willis reteaming with John McTiernan. I mean, yeah. a, a very clear rated R movie. There's no question <laughs> about that. It's a rated R action movie. And I guess I'm just so surprised to see it there because you don't see that ever anymore. Right. You, know? you don't see that anymore. So shout out to 1995. You live in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Another movie about a villain trying to rob a bank. Yeah, uh, yeah. Keeping it keeping it simple there. Um, gosh, Batman Forever. I remember seeing in theaters and being totally let down. Yep. Um, it's great cast, good. but yeah, yeah. It's just just not a good movie in my opinion. I mean, I know people love it, but I'm not I'm not a big return to camp kind of form person. I like taking things other way in a way. Yeah. I remember seeing Waterworld. I really enjoyed Waterworld. That was that was a really fun romp in the sea. Waterworld gets shit right. on a lot, but I actually rewatched Waterworld about a year ago and I was like, hey, this is kind of a fun, <laughs> insane movie. Yeah. Um, a lot of practical okay. effects and big set pieces. I thought Oh really yeah. Cool. Yeah. One, one one of one of yeah, just one of the many fun summer movies you could put on because it's just all in the ocean and the whole time you're like, Oh, that looks nice. I like the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of s- stories you can read about the production hell of Waterworld and, and how over budget it went. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun one. It's kind of an interesting um, kind of relic of the times to go back and watch that movie. I think. You know? Yeah. Um, one of my favorite podcasts, cherry bombs, which covers underrated movies covered mm-hmm. Waterworld. Um, Gosh, I want to say in one of their first episodes. Yeah. I think it was like, uh, I'm looking at it right now, is their fifth episode. And they just go beat by beat through the movie, but also give a lot of background about, whoops, 
Are you still there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, good. I don't know what I, if I unplug something, but um, <laughs> they go beat by beat through the movie. They explain the background of the making of and just their overall appreciation mm. of the movie. But um, what are the things from 95 stood out to you? Ooh, from the uh, the rest of the list here. So yeah. a lot of other good movies here. So like just some big ones that stand out would be like Braveheart. Mm-hmm. Um, Casino is a movie I love. Our, uh, 12 Monkeys is another movie I love. Mm-hmm. Um, got some good comedies here. Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, uh, mm-hmm. The First Bad Boys, Friday. Um, this is a good year for movies. You got Crimson Tide in there. Um, Under Siege 2. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, you've also got some um, lower budget stuff that kind of hit big, like Desperado is mm-hmm. a movie I rewatched a few months ago and realized that still holds up. I like that one a lot. Oh, that yeah, that one is like strangely intense at times. Like, yeah. whoa, uh, Robert Rodriguez. I was going to say Richard. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he's one of my guys. I, I love him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Usual Usual Suspects came out that year as well, yes. which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, is there any on there that I didn't mention that stick out to you? Oh, I figured Tales from the Hood. I, I think oh, that would I missed be... the end of the list because it's on the second page. Oh, there's that uh, cut up, but that that was one that like just would sneak onto you know Sunday movie times, like on on I don't know if it, I, I assume it was like cable channels, but by cable channels I mean like a USA or TBS, yeah. or TNT, and you'd just be like, oh my god, like we're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> people are terrible like we've been we've been treating african americans terribly like we need to oh my gosh and it's so spooky and like yeah. gnarly even edited down for cable basically it is, cable uh, is just uh, eye-opening back in the day yeah it's a grossly underrated uh like horror anthology it's it's mm-hmm. really good and i didn't really discover it until much later in life i didn't see it uh, at the time that it came out but later on in my life when i kind of had my horror renaissance uh i went back and watched it and it was very pleasantly surprised it's a it's a good one if, if you're a horror fan and you've never seen tales from the hood you got to check it out it's uh it's kind of a cult classic yeah um i think if you want early denzel and russell crowe mm. virtuosity is a way fun movie oh yeah there you <laughs> it's like the one-armed cop who's well gosh is he one-armed no, I think he has a bionic arm after his big that whatever. But it's like it's like early '90s movies, uh, kind of showing that fear of technology, the fear of internet and computers yeah. taking over. It's it's very much like that because it's Russell Crowe come to life as this computer program who's like an amalgamation of like all the most famous serial killers, and Denzel has to take him down. It definitely didn't lean into the serial killer like the famous serial killer angle enough, I don't think, but uh, for just putting on these two Titans, Russell Crowe and Denzel in the early days, I thought it was really entertaining. I, I think I even saw that one in the theater, weirdly enough. Really? Yeah. Well, speaking of like the fear of technology, this same year we get The Net with Sam. <laughs> yeah, The Net. And, and Hackers. The, oh. Hackers, Hackers is a massive guilty pleasure of mine. Okay. I love hackers. It is not a good movie. It is so funny seeing the way they depict the internet in that movie. It is so (laughs) funny. Like in that movie, the internet is like a, like a different virtual world that you can like step into. It is crazy. Absolutely bonkers. Is hackers the one with the blind guy who's kidnapped by the bad guys. And he can describe what road they're on by hearing like the different, 
That's sneakers. Okay, I think I mix up hackers and sneakers. Hackers and sleepers has and sneakers and- um, Matthew Lillard in it, and um, a very early. <laughs> the main character is. Um, Oh shoot! What's her face? Uh, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie. Thank you. I just have it up right here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not that good. Yeah. Very early uh, lead performance from Angelina Jolie, um, and uh, it's it's like the most '90s movie ever made. It's mm. yeah. It's 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 a really fun one. I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I saw it when I was younger, and it's so. Even then, I was like, "This movie's ridiculous," um, <laughs> but it's so ridiculous that it's. It's just super fun. I love it. Okay. Shout out to hackers. <laughs> Shout out to hackers. Shout out to hackers. Sneakers and sleepers. Yeah. And Snickers. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, um, we've been carrying on here. We should probably uh, start to close things up. Yeah. Uh, where are we at here? So do we need to do uh, recommends? Yeah. Oh, this is. Do, we need to talk about Predator. Oh, yeah. Is this better than Predator? So if you put both these on the table in front of you or some other way to measure uh, something really arbitrary. Um, (laughs) They're both thrown up in the air and like you have to save one from falling hundreds of feet and then crashing under a satellite array. What, What would you what would you save? I I uh, I had a really great time rewatching this. I thought it was fun. Um, I don't watch. I don't sit down specifically to watch a lot of James Bond movies. So this was kind of a nice little change of pace for me. Uh, and I thought it was a fun movie. But I'm giving the nod to Predator here. Predator <laughs> Predator's better. Yep. <laughs> Predator is better. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think it's pretty hands down for me. No no contest. Predator wins. Yeah, I have to agree. Even like the. You know, the Central American jungle setting towards the end is mm, evoking it, Predator to me. But as soon as James Bond goes into a jungle, like, I feel like all tension is lost for me. He's like wearing the jungle wear or like at least that safari gear. And it's like, well, James Bond and safari gear just, it doesn't scream tension anymore. There's not even <laughs> any drums. <laughs> <laughs> Drums, please. Yeah, exactly. Oh, all right. Whereas Predator, Predator is like in the jungle, and like being in the jungle is very tense. There's nothing relaxing about being in the jungle, and here it's just kind of like, well, the jungle's there, and we're all wearing our jungle gear, and just kind of having fun in the jungle. It's just, it's, it's not. Yeah, it loses that tension about halfway through the movie of of Goldeneye, but I still had a really good time watching it, and. If you can't tell, like I do enjoy breaking down just how ridiculous <laughs> this plot is that these plots aren't meant for such scrutiny. Right. Right. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed watching it and talking about it because, you know, when else am I going to talk about Goldeneye in depth other than, you know, maybe with brother of the show Aaron every once in a while? I agree. I agree. Good times. Good talk. Predator yeah, wins. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Predator wins. So uh, what do you have on the recommends, Jeff? Oh, I'll just do um, a quick, a very quick double recommend because I just jotted down two things. And so I'll mention that the new season of Ozark is out. (laughs) Yep. It's a show I really like. I've already binged the whole new season. I guess it's like part one of season four. Yeah. Um, Part two is supposed to be in May, I think. Okay. So it was seven episodes. We burned through it really fast. It's uh, still a great show. So Mm -hmm. if you're a fan of Ozark, check out the new, uh, uh, part one of season four. Um, and then the main recommend that I'll give is an older movie 
from the early 90s that I just discovered for the first time. And um, this is a movie called Nemesis. Ooh. And it is an it is an action sci-fi uh, kind of thriller um, movie with cyborgs and lots of shooting guns. <laughs> but I, I learned about this movie because I, I follow a lot of people on Twitter that are like action movie people. And, uh, and this is also a movie that are, are, uh, we're both fans of F This Movie and Patrick Bromley mm-hmm. on F This Movie has recommended this movie because it's directed by Albert Payune, who also directed like Cyborg and a bunch of other action movies from the 80s and 90s. And this is often cited as one of Albert Payune's best early 90s action movies. And so I finally checked it out and it did not disappoint. I thought it was like really kind of awesome and was a really... Uh, action-packed movie and with a lot of cool special effects considering how small the budget probably was. So um, I'm kind of going out on a limb on this recommend, but uh, if you like that sort of thing, check out Nemesis from like, I think it's 1993, directed by Albert Payune. If you like watching cyborgs shoot at each other. 92 is what IMDb tells me. Okay, 92. I was close. It looks like it was supposed to be the hit maker for one Oliver... Olivier Gruner, yeah, Brunet, yeah, yeah, because he's featured heavily uh, in the photos and the marketing. It looks like, and it, the tagline is: "In the future, it pays to be more than human." Yes, yeah, it's sort of set in this like future time, post-apocalyptic, a little bit future time where people can like enhance their bodies mm-hmm. by like having cybernetic parts grafted onto their current bodies. And like this, like group of cyborg part cyborg humans start to try to like take over the city or something. I don't know. Okay. Again, the plot's not that important. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of cool like cyborg special effects and some really great like shootout scenes and and chase sequences. And um, I was just looking for something really easy one night and had heard about this movie and popped it on and and it was great it was exactly what i wanted so nemesis nemesis what do you got to recommend uh well it's no nemesis (laughs) nothing is or or ozark i feel like i feel like i recommended ozark way back in the day at some point yeah because i just i'm just a huge jason bateman fan but yeah yeah it's just kind of i kind of sped through the ozark first part of season four just because i don't have that kind of time unfortunately i mean not that you do either but i definitely did the thing where it's like okay i'm gonna sit in the bathtub 10 seconds 10 seconds 10 seconds oh here's a good scene watch this a bit 10 seconds 10 seconds oh someone's being killed okay 10 seconds 10 seconds my wife and i stayed up way too late the last couple nights just binging through all seven episodes yeah nice yeah yeah nice yeah, it's just just for me. It's like it ends up being so tense that it's like I can't stand it. I need to, <laughs> need to skip. Skip, 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 skip. Yeah, exactly. Cut the tension. Um, yeah, I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel I stumbled upon um, that talks about retro video games, uh, specifically mostly old Nintendo Entertainment System NES games, or some people say NES. Yeah. Um, he has a couple SNES titles in there too, but his whole premise is that he just beats a game from beginning to end, has the whole thing condensed down to, you know, one to two hours on YouTube Hmm. and explains the ins and outs and the history of the game 
and just presents it in a way where you actually can go beat the video game. And, and fittingly enough, the YouTube channel's name is You Can Beat Video Games with the uh, U, letter U for you. Okay, uh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's, it's way cool. It's good retro nostalgia throwbacks if, um, if you grew up playing Nintendo and some in SNES games. I'm sure you did too. I think we talked yeah, about it before. I, when we're done recording this, I'm going to go downstairs and have a little glass of wine and check one out, I think. I, yeah, I would start with the Ninja Turtles one because I remember how frustrating that first Ninja, Ninja oh Turtles God, game was for NES. It's so freaking hard. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's the perfect intro. And then if you want other deep dives, there's longer videos out there. Probably my favorite is the Final Fantasy videos because that's a game I've played. I still play mm-hmm. to this day on the original console. Yeah. And to watch someone else go through it and do things slightly different. Uh, but he has a good dry sense of humor. Um, and he's, gosh, I think he's done about... 50 or no, not probably not 50 videos, but yeah, maybe 50 to 60 videos because wow, he does one a good. week somehow. Yeah, wow. Which must take a ton of editing because you can see all the um, all the notes he puts on the screen as he's going through the game and mm. given all this history as well. Uh, but that's you can beat video games. Uh, that's just you letter U, but then the rest is can beat video games, all spelled out, spaced out. Cool. All right, I'm yeah. gonna check it out for sure. I'm going to type it on the recommend. When do we do this section? I always type in the notes. <laughs> you can beat video games. So I can put that in the uh, show notes. There you go. Show notes. Listen well, to us. Show notes. Have we reached the moment? I think we've reached the moment where Jeff reveals the next movie and scene at this point in the podcast. Yay. Uh, I have to say in advance, uh, I've chosen the movie and I haven't quite landed on the scene yet. So I apologize about that, Um, but I will get it figured out. I know kind of what section of the movie I want to do, but I haven't, I didn't quite have time to really dial down like the exact timestamp. So is it, is it nemesis? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, I won't put you through that. It's not Nemesis. Um, but it is um, close to that era. Era? Yeah. Uh, do you want to try to guess again? Should we do this game? Of course I want to guess. I always yeah. want to guess. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. We'll start broad and we'll get more specific. So this is uh, a movie from 1990. 1990. 1990. It is... Um, it's the best... It's the best PG-13 horror-ish movie that I think has ever been made. The best PG-13-ish horror movie that you think Hor- has ever horror-ish. been made. Horror-ish. Horror-comedy-adventure. Yes. Horror-comedy-adventure. A little science fiction there. Science fiction. Hmm. Oh, 1990. 1990. Should I give you an actor? Yeah, I was alive in 1990. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin. Is it? Is that Tremors? Tremors. It is Tremors. It is Tremors. (laughs) As soon as you said Kevin Bacon, I was like, uh, I mostly know him from Tremors. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. 
that a snake? I'll give you boy five dollars for this. Twenty. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground! You didn't get penetration even with the elephant gun. Run, run! And no one knows what to call it. Megaworms or suckers or, or suckoids. Now this valley is just one long smorgasbord. Now it's up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do. Flip for it. Damn. Kevin Bacon. Fred Ward. Tremors. <laughs> uh, Tremors is one of my all-time favorite movies. So, um, oh, Tremors is so fun! I love Tremors. Tremors is so much fun. It's a, this is this is a family favorite. This is a movie we watched as a family a lot. Sure. Um, it was like I said, PG. Th- it being PG thirteen made it accessible for our family mm-hmm. um, in a really fun way. And um, I know that the scene is going to be somewhere from the middle of the movie when the uh, the graboids are kind of terrorizing the the main part of town, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't quite landed on exactly what I want to do there. Um, we've also got okay. the great scene where they're, um, they, they sh- with dynamite. <laughs> yeah. So that's good too. But also when the, um, Reba, Reba McIntyre and the, yeah. the, the husband, when they shoot up the, the monster as it comes in their basement. So uh, I, I'll, I'll figure out exactly what I want to do, but we're going to do something from, from somewhere around there. And we're going to awesome. talk about tremors. We're going to talk about tremors. Oh, that's great. I know um, the Dead Meat channel with their kill counts just started covering the Tremors series. Oh, nice. Uh, as yeah. James has taken a break from doing like all the on-camera stuff and a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, he's uh, put Zoran in charge, who's been like behind the scenes a lot with Dead Meat, mm. so that James could take care of some other things. But yeah, they started with the Trimmer series with Zoran just in the last couple weeks. And, awesome. Uh, yeah, de- definitely worth a watch. Just, yeah. just, just to enjoy like the recaps of the movies, and honestly, I, I think I'm mostly done with the, the first recap of the movie. So it's nice to have that as a, a kind of back pocket. Yeah, tool. The, the sequels are fascinating, uh, <laughs> and they always star Michael Gross. They always star Michael Gross. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the nicest thing I can say about the sequels. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk. We'll have a little sequel talk when we get there. But. Um, Indeed. Yeah, Tremors is um, it's it's an all timer for me, so I'm excited to uh, chat a, chat about it with you. All right, me yeah. too. I'm excited to revisit it. I haven't watched it probably since probably since the '90s. It was a movie I know I watched oh. with my buddy Derek growing up a few times. That you're and, gonna love it. It it yeah, really holds up. It really really holds up. Yeah, some all great right. practical effects. <laughs> Just really like solid storytelling. It's it's great. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I look, I look forward to it. Let me know when you have the scene timestamp. I will. I'll, I'll let you know ASAP. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to watch it this week and I'll make my decision and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will yeah, come back and talk about Graboids and Kevin yes. Bacon and Michael Gross and <laughs> Fred uh, Ward. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say Rocco Dillon from Naked Gun 33. Yeah. That's where I know him from. But yeah, yeah, Fred Ward. Oh, love some, love some Fred Ward. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, good times. Awesome, man. All right. Well, should we wrap things up here? I think we're going to wrap things up with uh, Jeff. Where can people find you? Find me on the Twitter. I am Jeff Glover. You can find me there, Carl underscore Hungus 314. My name is Carl been expert. Come follow me in the Twitter sphere. John, where can we find all things Seen It All? Well, you can find us on Twitter, Seen It All underscore. That's S-C-E-N-E It All underscore. You can join the Facebook group. It's just the name of the podcast, Seen It All with Jeff and John. And I believe we've had some activity there with some people dropping in and hmm. giving some feedback. And you can also email the show, Seen It All Podcast at gmail.com. That's S-C-E-N-E It All Podcast at gmail.com. When we have an actual actual listener email what? i hate to, yeah I, I hate to be the breaker of news right here because i didn't tell you when it came in wow geez a week ago from joseph parker but he writes hey guys thanks for another great episode it's nice to hear for other people who like the friday the 13th series yes. part yeah I, knew I liked you joseph yeah so this yeah he this clearly right after i released the friday the 13th part yeah. two yeah. scene where mark takes a Pats it to the face. Mark. Mark. Machete to the face. Um, part two is one of my favorites, and it has been my favorite final girl of the whole series. Yes. Joseph, you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I highly recommend you check out the two fan-made films on YouTube, Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow. I promise you'll love them. Joseph. I've heard of these, and I've never watched them. I, I will I will check them out now that I've gotten another recommend. Awesome. Yeah. So, Joseph, thank you so much for writing in. I really appreciate that. Um, I definitely watched the Dead Meat episodes on those two uh, <laughs> fan-made films, and very entertaining to watch that and all the callbacks to previous Friday the 13th movies, I think, including some cast members. Yeah. Don't, don't misquote me there. But, uh, yeah, if you do write into the show, seen it all – podcast at gmail.com we'll read it and talk about things so please please send us some love send us a message and we'll uh, we'll respond in kind on the air all right well we've done it we did golden eye golden eye yeah we've done it we've done it so thank you jeff for uh talking about that big fight scene towards the end of golden eye appreciate that yeah buddy good times good talking yeah, good talk for all things seen at all. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Stick around. For for England, James? No. For me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I am invincible. Back. Gone. I am invincible. Uh, until he isn't. Until he's frozen. Until he's frozen solid. I wonder if he's still there. (laughs) Hanging out in Cuba. Something's got to shatter that guy. Yeah, then he's going to reform into Boris. Right. Liquid metal. Liquid metal. (laughs) Conform stabbing weapons. No machines. (laughs)
<laughs> Stabbing weapons. <laughs> All right, and you wanna see? Yeah, you wanna see? Like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna see? Yeah, you wanna see? Like when Bobby D says you're talking to me. You can go to the diner for a meal with Meg. You can yell at your class, stab yourself in the leg. You can upgrade your boat for when sharks attack. And you can be like Arnold, tell him I'll be back. You wanna see? Yeah, you wanna see? Like when the Xenomorph took out Harry Dean. You wanna scene yeah you wanna see like when bobby d says you're talking to me jeff and john talk scenes and quotes jeff improvises while john takes notes from mozambique to montreal you can join in the chat on scene it all you wanna see yeah you wanna see like when the xenomorph took out harry dean you wanna see yeah you wanna see like when bobby d says you're talking to me Seen it all with Jeff and John.